If you're looking for inspiration and challenge in the world of early years and Key Stage 1 education, then you've just found it. Welcome to the Early Excellence Podcast. Hello, everybody. Andy Burt here. Welcome along to episode 69 of the Early Excellence Podcast. This week, I'm joined by my colleague, Luella Ivans, as we discuss the importance of real-life experiences for our youngest children. Okay, so I am joined by Luella Ivans again. Hello, Luella. How are you doing? Hi, Andy. I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, all good. All good. And we are talking about keeping it real, of course, in the EYFS. Now, what do we mean by that? Well, in terms of keeping it real, what what was I aiming for, really, in terms of that title? Well, we're talking really about, about what real objects, what real materials or experiences need to be brought into EYFS practice. And that what we're going to do is we're going to explore a wide range of different things from different materials that you can add into your provision and use as part of your provision. From that to experiences like visits or visitors, a wide range of different things to think about. We're also going to explore um, why all of that is important. So why is it important for children to have those, those that access to real experiences or real materials? What does it offer those children? We're going to think about what you'll need to carefully consider if you're going to add real things into your practice, whether that be real visits, visitors, or whether those be, there'll be objects or utensils. And then we're going to prompt you to have a think about your practice, to have a think about what you currently offer. Okay, so that's what we're going to be talking about as part of this uh, podcast episode. So let's get started. What do we mean by real things? Um, what real what real objects or what real um, materials would we offer? Let's start. Luella, can you kick us off? Get, get us started. What do you think? What, what real things would we be offering? I think when we think about real things, for me, in terms of kind of my practice in the past, I always firstly think about the home corner, that domestic role play area, because I think it's just such a natural place to bring real things into the provision isn't it it's it's somewhere that the children are familiar with it's a familiar space um and we often use the domestic role play as a hook into um kind of the familiar for children and things that they're used to so it makes sense doesn't it to bring in things like real cups real plates whether that be kind of um kind of the, the, the same materials that they have at home, perhaps, or the same as what they have in the dinner hall, um, but giving them real opportunities to use proper plates, proper cutlery, cups, saucers, um, all those types of things that children will see being used by their parents and carers at home. And we know that they'll be using those things at home, um, so it makes sense for them to use them in the provision. So I think within the home corner, there's so much scope to think about bringing in real, real things. You know, it could be real washing with kind of real um, packets of empty washing powder so that, you know, the, the things that they're using, the coffee that they're using or the soap that they're using looks like the things that they use at home. Um, 
real pegs, a real washing line across the outdoor area. Um, we often see children um, putting things into the washing machine, but do they ever get them out and go through the process of hanging them up and ironing them? Um, so having like real things, real you know, clothes and, and kind of bedding and things like that, like they would have at home, um, will really help support children to make those connections um, between their learning. Um, for me, Andy, another thing I always think about is kind of that construction outside, um, whether that be kind of a wet sand area or whether children are using mud and clay to join. Um, but when they're building and constructing, having opportunities to use you know, real spirit levels on a real scale as well, not kind of half size ones, but real, real spirit levels um, and having opportunities to use real tape measures, um, you know, like the proper tape measures, the retractable ones um, or trundle wheels. So children are actually experiencing what it's like to use real materials in a very meaningful way. Because um, I think that's what it comes back to, doesn't it? It's got to be, you know, meaningful for children. They've got to be able to see the connection between the materials they're using and real life outside of the classroom as well, I think. Um, things like x-rays are a great one. I know this is something we often talk about, but there's going to be a child, isn't there, that, that kind of breaks their leg or their arm or has some sort of accident throughout the year. But having opportunities to actually look at real x-rays on a, a kind of overhead projector or a light box and really explore science in its kind of purest form, I think, you never really get to do that, do you? So we've got to be there offering those opportunities for children um, to see real things on a real scale in a really meaningful way. Um, what, what kind of other things have you used, Andy, in the past that have been kind of very real? Yeah, I, th I think what sort of jumps out really for me when I think about real things like this is... Um, one particular area of provision that I think absolutely stands out, and that's the woodwork area. The yeah. woodwork area is a kind of a leap of faith, I think. <laughs> you know, really. I know it sounds like an odd thing to say, but it is. You know, whenever I talk about woodwork being a brilliant area to offer, I can always see people in the audience thinking, you haven't met my class, sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? That kind yeah. of, you haven't met so-and-so. You wouldn't be saying that if you'd met so-and-so. You know, that kind of thing. But, and I get that. I, you know, I, I, I get that it is a real leap of faith for people and, and, and you've got to feel comfortable with it. But I also know, you know, in, in, within my own practice, I know that actually, if you do take that leap of faith, often the children who you thought, oh, crikey, what about so-and-so with a hammer? Or oh, what about so-and-so? You know, what are they going to be like when you give them, you know, a, a real tool? You know, that kind of thing. Actually, they're often the children who respond best to that responsibility. To, have have, to having something real that you're trusting them with and that you're using. And it is a different area completely different area no it's not the same as kind of offering say a water area or a dough area and saying right you know we are going to model that and and but basically you know you can just come and use it you know that yes with every area there's a degree of modeling but you're expecting children to pick it up very quickly and to just use those materials 
Whereas with a woodwork area, we really need to look at it differently, I think. So um, it's about building up, I would say, from, from the very basic stuff and building up an idea that this space is, is a different area. You don't take resources from this area, for example, into other areas. You don't walk around with a hammer or whatever it might be, a screwdriver. You don't do any of those things. In fact, actually, we start off with an area that probably doesn't have very much in it. Yeah. So a, a kind of a woodwork bench and some pieces of wood and probably to start off with the, the activity, which I, first of all would be very directed would be about using the wood and probably using sandpaper to sand it off and to smooth it down. And that through teaching the children how to use the sandpaper, we're teaching them skills in terms of using, putting on pairs of goggles, for example, to protect their eyes. We're talking about how we've got to be careful. The sandpaper is rough and you might hurt yourself if, you, if, you know, if, if you're not careful in terms of using it. And that provides us with a foundation to be able to build from that into perhaps at some point then introducing using a hammer and a nail and then on to other things, you know, screwing a screw into a piece of wood, all, all sorts of other skills like that. And that each step of the way we're, we're teaching a skill in order that the children can then they almost kind of qualify to then do it independently, if you like. And and so this isn't really like other areas of provision, which is why I think it's really valuable that we're offering experiences that many children, not many children won't have had an experience like using woodwork anywhere else. You know, even if they've even if they've been to a previous setting, the chance, there's a good chance they won't have used a woodwork area at all. Conversely, there'll be some children who for them, this makes a real link, a real connection. They've seen somebody at home, it might be mum or dad or granddad or whoever, it might, they might work with, with wood or with, with woodwork tools or whatever it might be. And then actually, for them, this is something that makes a link, it makes a connection. There are often a bit, it made me think when you were talking about building materials, you know, spirit levels and things like that, using them outside. That, that provides a one probably one child in the group it will provide them with the opportunity to say i know what that is yeah. i can use that i i i know all about this that child sticks their chest out and suddenly suddenly becomes the expert in this scenario i think and and i think the real things in woodwork do that too for some children um, but also very much skills based, you know, the, the number of physical opportunities that we gain through woodwork, you know, the fine motor and gross motor control that we have, the balance, the using the using materials with control. There's such a lot going for it. And and certainly those are very much real, meaningful experiences in the woodwork area. So that that would be my first thing. That's my first thought. Woodwork would that would be a winner, I think. There. And I think okay. I think as well, Andy. All of those things we've kind of talked about so far. You know, the things in the, the kind of home corner, things within the construction area, the woodwork area. All of them are, you know, because they're real. They're really going to support that language development, and they're really going to give. They're going to give opportunities for children to learn new vocabulary, and to use that in context. And thinking about, you know, that child who feels like the expert because they know how to use that spirit level, or they know how to join two pieces of wood together. Um, those children will be able to to kind of 
very probably quite confidently use complex language to talk about those things um, and do that with their peers so that it's really starting to build that shared understanding. And I just think it's so powerful, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And and I think it's about giving it. It's also I mean, going back to woodwork. I think it's about teaching them the skills in order that they can absolutely fly with those skills so they can if you've taught them the range of skills about joining about using a hammer and nail and and a screw and a screwdriver and all of those sorts of things you've taught them how to hold each of those tools you've taught them how to use them safely you've taught them how to to join pieces of wood together and all of those other things meaning that actually when once they've got that you can then support them in being really creative so you know this is not then about me just showing you a skill but it's about right what are you going to do with that skill when you go into that area what are you, what are your ideas going to be what are you going to create in this space and that of course is language rich it's rich in all sorts of opportunities there but also about children's self-esteem isn't it about about setting out to do something and being successful with it absolutely and i think we're always striving to develop that self-esteem and i think those opportunities for children to um to, you know, do something or create something that they're really proud of as well and to be able to talk about it. And obviously all of that it is risk-taking in its kind of broadest form, isn't it? And it's, it's children being confident to do those things. And I think just by... Pro- because we've talked about a, a fair few things there, but just by providing something really real for children, for your, your more confident children... Delving into something like woodwork is only going to support them even more. But for your less confident children, using real things that they've seen before will also support and develop their confidence because they've got something there that's that's a kind of familiar starting point and it feels quite real to them. Um, and for those children, you know, who perhaps have um, family members that are joiners or carpenters or builders, like you said before, being that expert and having that opportunity to really shine, sometimes it's the quietest child in the class, isn't it? And, and it just gives them that opportunity to really kind of come out their shell. And on that note, really, I think, you know, it comes back to, to to really ensuring that if we are modelling these things to children, that we're doing it with real accuracy and we're doing it really well. Um, I wonder how many of us would feel confident off, off the kind of uh, cuff going and, and, and modelling in the woodwork area. But it comes back to us having to really develop our own skills um, in using those real resources and ensuring we're we are looking into it and planning it carefully and we're ensuring that we do it really, really well. And I've always found that one really useful thing with that can be, you know, talking about spirit levels and tape measures, but getting like a dad or someone to come in that that does that for a, for a job um, and is, you know, willing to come in and talk to the children, bringing visitors into the setting um, can be really powerful, I think. You know, having a kind of builder come in and show you how to lay um, kind of real bricks in your sand area and how to mix the sand and water together to create a kind of type of a form of cement in the in the child's mind, I suppose, to really to really build build something really meaningful and to do it properly with the right vocabulary, with the right resources. Um, the children love it, don't they? And they they feel so proud when they are able to then replicate that independently, I always find. Um, so I think, yeah, visitors and, and visits um, from people that 
that are doing real life things are really important as well. And and I think I think visitors on a, a broader scale as well are really important, Andy. I think, you know, bringing people into your setting that can add an element of kind of real life and something a little bit different is really powerful. You know, not always just thinking, OK, well, we're going to get the animal man in this week because we always get the animal man in in, in spring too, perhaps. Um, but, but So when you say the animal man, I've got this image of... <laughs> <laughs> somebody in fancy dress coming in i'm guessing that's not not the animal man i, I was thinking more of like a, a man coming in with a snake and a tarantula <laughs> but i think often we do don't we? we we delve into repeating those same things that we've always done and actually by thinking a little bit outside the box and thinking actually you know i'm going to get um i'm going to ask a mum who's just recently had a baby to come in and bring the real life baby um, and to bring the clothes and the changing bag and to show the children how to feed the baby, how to change the baby um, is only going to then add to their ability to keep it really real in the domestic role play area. So teaching children real life skills um, through visitors, I think, can be a really useful way of doing things you know having um kind of a a a doctor or a nurse come in and and show the children how to do first aid or how to look after somebody when they've fallen over or whatever that might be um i just think it's really powerful so not you know it's not only just about having very real resources that's a massive part of it but it's also about having real experiences for children And, and that can go as far as the trips that you take them on you know, walking down to the bakery and choosing what snack we're going to have this afternoon and looking at the money that we've got and counting it out and getting change and saying thank you and putting everything in the bag and walking back and crossing the road. All of those experiences are really real for children. And actually, how often do children get to do those now? Um, I think often our lives are so busy, aren't they? At the weekend, what, you know, the things that children experience these days might not be what children kind of 10, 20 years ago were experiencing. Um, So I think it's really important. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I I was thinking as well as you were just talking that um, a lot of what we've just been talking about is listed within um, within the statutory guidance, within knowledge and understanding. Um, it's listed as the sorts of things that actually are really key for young children. Those simple, well, quite often simple experiences, you know, the firefighters you know, coming into school or, or, you know, or a, a trip to the library or, you know, all of those sorts of things are really important. I think what was really odd in a way was that ju- literally as that came out, that was sort of September 2021 that the statutory guidance came out, wasn't it? And it felt like it came out just as actually everybody was doing the exact opposite. You know, it was just at that point where actually pretty much, you know, everybody was locked down or in bubbles or doing, if anything, you know, really keeping everything tightly kind of kind of contained, really, for good reason. And I think there is an element of um, as as being kind of in, in terms of practice we've i think it's important that we think back to what did we used to do prior to the pandemic because there are some schools and settings that i've worked with recently even where actually that there are certain things in place or or the, or certain things they've not gone back to 
that are really just routines that they got into during the pandemic. You know, that they perhaps used to do a library visit or they used to do a farm visit or they used to have the firefighters in or they used to do, you know, all sorts of different things. And that in, in, those, in those months or years, really, during the pandemic, that actually we got out of the habit of that. And I, I do think it's quite an important time, really, now to, to stand back from it and think, well, actually, did we used to do that three, four years ago? We haven't gone back to it yet. Do we, that used to work. We really could go back to it now. You know, those sorts of things. So, yeah, really, I think that's really important. Um, and of course, there are a number of other things, aren't there? You know, from from baking with the children on a regular basis, baking with them every every week, if possible. There are loads of opportunities there for for physical skills, for seeing changes, seeing patterns, seeing um, using mathematical language, measuring, using number, using vocabulary. There are so many different things there, aren't there? You know, in terms in terms of baking, baking's a fantastic activity. Alongside that, gardening, you know, particularly kind of in the spring and summer, you know, um, digging over a raised bed, um, planting seeds, counting out the seeds, measuring out how far between the seeds we need to we need to to be um, dropping them into the ground. All sorts of different things like that to then to then looking after and caring for the plants or the vegetables and then harvesting vegetables there are so many real things that actually make such a lot of sense that are not about one specific area of learning but that you could do baking or gardening and cover pretty much every area of learning really you know if you do one thing well that covers everything you don't need to really think about separate all of these separate different sometimes I think we think about so many different separate ways of teaching all of these different strands when actually quite often it's far more effective to think about one thing that that is a great activity for everything does that make sense I, I know it doesn't work for everything I mean maybe I'm being a bit idealistic I don't know but I, I certainly find that sometimes we've we split up the areas of learning yeah and and we do us we make it harder for ourselves sometimes i think yeah. really yeah there are so many we've got to remember that the eyfs is a holistic way of 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 mm. teaching and learning and there are things you know like when you talk about baking gardening those opportunities for children to be doing so many different things, whether it's physical learning, cognitive, language, um, when they're, whether they're exploring kind of scientific concepts, whatever that might be, they are going to be touching so many different things to something very real like that. Um, one that I always talk about often in a lot of my training sessions is, is kind of the mud area. And actually that for me is an area that I always think provides so many holistic opportunities um, and it's something that that again we want to keep it really real you know offering children um real resources to use in that space you know a pestle and mortar so that they can kind of grind up the herbs um you know having a, a space where children can grow herbs in the mud kitchen alongside that growing activity um so that they and and that those herbs for the mud kitchen are separate to the other growing that they're doing because they know then they can go and cut and trim and use the pestle and mortar um, to add those herbs to their mud cakes <laughs> or whatever it might be that they're making. Um, so thinking about adding really real resources into your outdoor space as well will be really important. So have you got things like um, 
funnels, spatulas, garlic press, pestle and mortar, all of those sorts of things that will really um, enhance children's learning but also keep it really real so they're thinking oh yeah I saw it when auntie was using um the garlic press when we were making um curry the other week um and they can then see how they can use that in context as well so it, I, I definitely think keeping it real I, I love the kind of title of this podcast because it very much is about that isn't it it's about keeping it real for children giving them real things to use real artists brushes um real spirit levels um full-size things as well often we limit children especially outdoors we see children outside digging with small plastic spades and small buckets but actually by keeping it real and giving them you know real size or certainly half size and um, spades that they can put their foot on and really dig like you would in your outdoor space and um, those things are going to provide far more meaningful opportunities um, than something that, that is perhaps plastic or perhaps something that that doesn't mimic that real life experience for children it's for children yeah absolutely absolutely and and I mean, we've we've kind of covered a lot of this already through through the examples that we've given. But I wanted to draw together some of the real benefits here. So we've talked about knowledge and understanding. So that experience of the world around us uh, and understanding of the world around us. Um, we've talked about making connections, making sense of the world around us. You know, that, that sort of linking to what we might have seen at home, linking linking what we're seeing in the home corner to what we're seeing at home, all of those sorts of things, and then understanding their world better. Um, we've talked also about kind of taking more care. I think children will take much more care of things if they learn to do so through the materials you're providing. Um and we do think about, um, you know, there will there will be children that will need a lot more support than other children in in using some of these things. And I think we've got to be careful that we don't say we're not doing it because that cohort aren't ready for it. Um, absolutely, you're going to know your children. You'll know those children that need that support. You'll know whether it's your whole cohort or whether it's just a couple of children that will need um you know some one-to-one time really thinking about that um but i think it's important that we that we really think about if we're giving children real plates at lunchtime then why are we not giving them real plates in the home corner um if we're giving children if they're having access to adult scissors at home um then we've got to question the types of scissors we perhaps provide for them um in our nursery class perhaps so it's just something to think about really weighing up those kind of benefits versus the risks and of course risk assess what you're doing um but don't let that limit the opportunities you give to your children i would say yeah absolutely absolutely no i think those, those are really good points so let's draw all of this together um what i think is really important i i, I hope hopefully fingers crossed some of the things that we've mentioned will have resonated with people that they've thought oh yes you're right you know we we haven't really thought about the home corner in in as much depth as we could have done or maybe we've never thought about woodwork or maybe we we haven't really gone back to having visits or visitors since the pandemic or whatever it might be hopefully some of the things that we've talked about will have resonated with people and just to draw things together i think i think it would be important really following on from this episode 
And hopefully you found it useful, you people out there who are listening. Um, I, what I'd recommend that you do, what we would recommend that you do is have a really close look at your provision. And, and it's quite an interesting thing to do. You know, do it with your team. Have a walk around your provision. Have a look around. Are there materials within your, within your classroom provision that you think, actually, that would be better if it was something real? You know, it might be a set of weighing scales in the home corner. It might be the might be plates or cups in the home corner. Would would it be ask yourself that question? Would it be better if it was real rather than what you've currently got? Okay, and the same for visits and visitors. Have a think. Have that discussion with your team. Did you used to have certain routines in place for visits and visitors? It doesn't have to be a fancy visit. It doesn't have to be a you know a great big coach trip. As Luella mentioned earlier on, it could be something as, as simple as taking a group of children each week to go and get the snack. Or, you know, a, a, it could be a, a group of children or, or all of your children to go to the park on a regular basis to see the changes as we go through the year. You know, those sorts of things. So have a really close look at your practice. Hopefully you'll have found our conversation useful and really think about how you can develop your practice based around some of the things we've talked about. And there you go. Thank you to Luella for joining me on the podcast this week. And of course, to you people for listening along too. If you've got any questions or queries, please do get in touch. My email address is andy at earlyexcellence.com. You'll also find me on Twitter at andybertEEX. That's about it for now. Have a good week, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.